0: two five. What a way to get the work done.
1: Yeah, we promise you don't have to sing. And how could you possibly sing as well as we just did? Who knows? But you don't have to sing, but you can sure get some things done with Agile.
0: That's right. Because nonprofits are always being asked to do more with less. Or at least to do the same with fewer resources.
1: That's true. And the team at Agile in Nonprofits, which is a service of D.H. Leonard Consulting, helps nonprofit professionals learn how to embrace an agile mindset and how to implement the Scrum framework in their team settings. And that helps create twice the impact in half the time.
0: You can learn more about all this and download their free Getting Started with Scrum Checklist at agileandnonprofits.com.
1: Well, hello there. I'm Kimberly Hayes, de Muga. And I'm Amanda Day. And you're listening to Season 5 of the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. We're here to help you make sense of the complex world of grant writing and fundraising, whether you work for a nonprofit or local government, or you're a consultant who serves them. On Fundraising heyday, we're always gonna talk about the how-tos. We're gonna talk about that today as well, but we also wanna talk about the whys of things. Why are things this way? And what can we do to change the things that do not serve us? Very true. And we do this every two weeks with the help of experts in the field and our
0: particular brand of entertainment, which, you know, typically includes songs and cheesy sound effects and the occasional y'all. So we do this because we want learning to be fun. We hope you stay awake as you're listening to the podcast.
1: This podcast is brought to you by our Season 5 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. Don't let grants stress you out. Their team can help you with grant readiness and training, grant research, grant writing, mock review, as well as providing numerous DIY resources, guides, and templates. Did you know that with every Fundraising Heyday episode, We create a coordinating blog post on their website, dhleonardconsulting.com. Check it out today. Well, welcome back to the show for our returning listeners. Or
0: if you're a first-time listener, we appreciate that you're tuning in and checking us out. Um, As we get started with today's topic, I've got a couple of questions for everybody. First of all, do you feel like there's never enough time to conquer your to-do list? That's me. Does your day slide into a ditch before ten a.m.? Maybe. Yeah, that happens to me often. Uh, Could you could you work until midnight and still not feel caught up with all your work? Yep. Mm. If you answered yes to any of those questions, or maybe you have a friend who could answer yes to any of these questions, then this episode is for you. We're going to talk about productivity and not, we're not sharing a whole list of productivity tools this time around, but just the importance of being productive and how to enhance your productivity overall and all that good stuff.
1: So Amanda's right. Now we are going to talk about a couple of things toward the end, like some, some procedures, some applications and things that have helped us, but If you've been a listener for a while now, you probably know that our advice doesn't always follow traditional routes, right? (laughs) Today is no exception. Before we jump in, know that, again, we'll be talking about some tools and techniques, but first we have some thoughts and feelings about the whole productivity industrial complex and how it's tricking all of us into a mindset that working to exhaustion is the norm. And um, spoiler alert, it's not the norm and it should not ever be. But, Thank you. Thank you. So just putting that out there. But there there's some things that are under our control and we're gonna talk about those, but there's some other bigger systemic things that we just want you to know about and sort of talk you through how these things actually affect your productivity of course but also your quality of life. But first, numbers. So just talking about productivity in general. Um I was doing some research as as we grant writing and fundraising folks are want to do and um, came across some studies done by the international policy think tank the organization for economic cooperation and development it's um, an organization that is not based in the united states but does comparative work um, with its member countries which are most which are europe and south america Mm -hmm. and um, also compares with the united states which is not a member so this is and the numbers i'm quoting are going to be an average right because they're factoring in full-time and part-time work in this. So do with that what you will, but that's what they do. Americans work, according to OECD, an average of 1,767 hours a year. And they compare that to um, Germany, for example. That's um, 435 hours per average per year for Germans. 400 hours more per year than the average UK workers 365 hours per year than French workers and 169 more hours per year than Japanese workers. Again, these are averages, but it's kind of a powerful statement, right? Because if I would, based on, based on assumptions and perhaps cliches and stereotypes, I would have thought, well, the traditional view of Japanese office workers is that they are just day and night working. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, the USA number one in this, you know, it's it's like we're number one. Mm, I don't know if that's a contest we want to win. Um, <laughs> but, so let's say that you're like, well, what is our own? How do I? How do we track it within uh, the United States? So the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics has uh, trends and information, and so I like a good trend. I like historical trends and looking back in time. So here's the deal: since 1950, American productivity has grown according to the u.s bureau of labor statistics by 430 percent that's a lot that seems like if i was sort of doing some back of the envelope math there i'd think wow so our standard of living should be like four times better right yeah And I'm i was like, gonna
0: say my my uh, paycheck has i don't think any my has grown 430 percent to match that
1: <laughs> you no know, and i you know Crusty Gen Xer that I am, I even I wasn't alive in 1950. So I can't vouch for what the standard of living was then and now. But the more I read about income um, inequality and everything going on, I'm like, mm, no, not. I don't think our standard of living is four times better. And I also, we're working more hours, not less. And if our productivity has grown so much, you'd think we'd be able to work fewer hours and get more done. But that's not happening either. Right. Or, or is it, maybe it's happening for everyone, right? Everyone's just working like 10 hour weeks and rolling (laughs) in the green. Is that right? Is that right, Amanda? Uh, If that's you call
0: us and tell us how you're doing it so we can follow suit, right? (laughs) Share your knowledge with the world. Um, Well, and I don't, certainly don't, I don't have statistics, I didn't look this up, but I can tell you part of probably why America is working more hours on average than these other countries is like, they actually take proper vacations, right? I remember going to London with my sister and, um, you know, most of us get what, about two weeks, maybe three weeks for an entire year, but often, you know, that's got to squeeze in holidays and other things. But, you know, when I was in London, we met all kinds of people standing in line to go tour different things. And, you know, we met folks from Australia and from France and from other countries and all of them were on holiday, which is their vacation. Mm -hmm. Right. And most of them were on holiday for like three weeks, four weeks, you know, they're taking a true proper break and rest. and, And we just don't do that over here. In fact, you know, heck, most of our vacations, we're doing a little bit of work. Have you? There's a meme that says something about like European out of office is like I'm backpacking across the Alps and will be unreachable for the next three weeks. You know, I'll, get, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll return your message when I get back. And in America, it's like uh, having kidney surgery, but uh, I should only be down for about two hours. I'll get right back to you. Yeah, I'll be, so. I'll
1: be uh, checking. You know, as soon as I'm alert in the recovery room, I'll be checking email again. Exactly, and it, you know, it's a meme, but it's. It, it's
0: it's funny cuz it's true, it's sad cuz it's true, and I think that's part of why it's not just that we're working more, we're being more productive,
1: but we're also not taking those breaks and those downtimes which which we'll talk is about later hard. there's lots of research around why that doesn't actually make you more productive. Exactly. So, um so but for a lot of us we are working
0: and more and more feel like we're just treading water even though we t- tend to be working more than we think. Um, maybe we should be. And I don't know about you, but even though there's all these productivity tools and all these things going on, it can be easy to feel like you're not being that productive at the end of the day. You know, it's harder to concentrate. It's harder to stay focused. it's Things are maybe taking longer and you're wondering, why is this? It shouldn't be happening because I've got all these great tools, right? Um, there's really a lot of reasons why you may not be productive. And I think one of the biggest problems is probably being held in your hand right now, or maybe you've got it close by and sitting on the desk with you Mm -hmm. thats your smartphone. Okay. Um, so because I know us grant folks, we do would love our data. I've got a little bit of data to share with you about the smartphone. So in an August 10, 2022 tech jury article that was entitled, how much time does the average American spend on their phone in 2022? The author shared a lot of statistics, and I'm going to throw out at y'all real quick. So first of all, most mobile phone users check their phones 63 times a day. Yeah, that's, I believe it. I believe it. That number even could be a little low. It, it, I mean, that's the average. So for some people, wow. it's more. Yep, yep, yep. And you, you'd like, like, when I when I first saw this and read it, I was like, no, there's no way. But that made me start paying attention to how many times I grab my phone. Right? I think we have gotten into the habit, as I, at least I know I have. I can speak personally. When you've got ten seconds of downtime, instead of just sitting and waiting, I grab my phone and look at it. Right? Whether it's you
1: got to see what's new. What's yeah? New? What's
0: on social media? Or has anybody texted me? Or do I need? I don't even know what I'm. The weather, what's what the weather going to be like today? I don't need to know that. I'm sitting in my office right now. Right? Um, so, yeah, people, we're, we're grabbing our phones a lot. Um, Americans spend an average screen time of 5.4 hours on their phones daily. Okay. Um, and if you're wondering, well, but how many Americans actually have smartphones? By 2025, it's expected that 311.53 million people will have smartphones in just a couple of years. So, a lot, a lot of, of us, phones. a lot of us are doing this, right? um when it comes to um so we know the average is 5.4 hours um this article gave some information for millennials the average is 5.7 hours compared to baby boomers who are 5 hours and once again Kimberly and I are crusty gen xers we're like but what
1: about us I would no just like thought? to point out I'm far crustier than Amanda we're kind of like on each end of the spectrum for gen x but yeah. Also, I would well, I would also be curious about what are the the stats for Gen Z and mm-hmm. even younger because kids who are I mean they're growing up with this as the norm. I'm I mean it would be even higher. Oh and there's, there's some repercussions for for all of this yeah. as you might imagine, and it directly affects productivity among other things. Yeah. Well, and five point seven
0: hours is the average, but like this article shared that thirteen percent of millennials actually spend twelve hours on their phone daily. So it's, you know, the, the range is certainly far and wide. And, um, so we're not sh- sh- sharing this with you to tell you that you're weak or you're inadequate for using your phone. Nope, it nope. certainly is a handy device, right? I appreciate having it when I've got to run my daughter to the doctor and I've got an email from my boss. It's nice that I can quickly respond And, you know, like, hey, here's what's going on versus having to wait a few hours before I get back to my desk. Right. So it's it certainly is a handy tool that can save you time. But the reality is a phone was not made, especially a smartphone was not designed to save you time.
1: No, it's not designed to make your life easier. We'll get into it. No, it really isn't. You need to be not okay with it, but.
0: Yeah. Well, and the same goes for social media, which a lot of us are looking at on our phone. So I know I've made a lot of great connections through yeah, social yeah, media. Yeah. I learned new things. I have used it to add, you know, that's, that's how we share about the podcast. So social media can be a great thing, but it's not designed to just be this quick tool of information for you. Right. That's, that's not what it's really there for you.
1: Just point that out there. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's, um, I guess I could fake, uh, fainting and clutching my pearls at the idea that everything introduced um, and for sale is is um, not here to help me. But um, yeah, there's um, there's thoughts and feelings and data that we're going to get into back behind that. and and I also want to point out that sort of working with ideas of productivity and getting that big picture of the why, is feeling productive so difficult right now, or actually being productive is so difficult right now. It's because you can take, you can take some steps to protect yourself a little and your time a little. If that works for you, you know, deleting um, uh, instant notifications on your phone or on your screen so that every, everyone's email to you does not constitute an emergency obviously there are emergency texts and phone calls and other ways to get these things across but just because someone sent it doesn't mean you have to respond to it in the moment and we'll get into that in a few minutes about how that definitely the multitasking definitely affects your productivity and i'm not suggesting that you never you throw your phone out in the street watch it get run over by a chicken truck and then you know (laughs) put on a a skirt made of 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 herbs and grasses and go live out in a forest um if you want to you do you, that's, that's on you. But we're not telling you to do that as the solution. We're just telling you that the very things we've all been conditioned to use to increase productivity are often the very same things that are stealing our focus and are actually making our ability to be productive. They're actually atrophying that ability. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm on this, I'm on it bad right now because I finished a really um, wonderful book called Stolen Focus why you can't pay attention and how to think deeply. Again, a trusted friend recommended that to me. And I thought, I know you're not supposed to judge a book by the cover, but that title spoke to me. And it said, so I I went to the library and I got it. It's certainly available at any bookstore in whatever form you might need. Um, and the author's name is Johan Hari, H-A-R-I. And he's a, he's a well-respected, well-known investigative journalist, um, so and he breaks it all down he's t- it's not just oh phones are bad it's like here's why they're designed that way here are people mm-hmm. who had leadership positions in the industry and now have gotten out of the industry because they don't respect um what's happening a small caveat with that i'm like yeah you respected it when you were making your first what 100 million and now it's a bad <laughs> thing. so i thing just mm, it's just part of my crustiness sometimes I find that like the most avid super environmentalists are the ones that have already leveled part of a mountain to build their, you know, their own little second home their theater. empire. Mm-hmm. Just saying sometimes I'm crusty, but by and large, excellent information here. Um, he breaks down. I think there are like 12 different things to consider short chapters, lots of footnotes for my, for my grant writers out there. Lots of the man backs up what he does. And He has, he uh, taped his reviews, videoed his interviews, excuse me, and has those. And as you read the book, he's like, if you want to read the whole thing and hear whatever, go here and look. So anyway, he not, not perfect, but certainly a very attractive way to learn about things and seems to be pretty, pretty straightforward. And he talks about how these apps and platforms are designed by brilliant people to keep you distracted and glued to your phones and tablets and screens not just so that they can sell ads to companies, although lucrative, but you're the product, right? You're the product. These these things are designed to keep your eyes on the screen. They don't want you to go back and do your work. They don't want you to sleep. They want to see how you communicate, what you say in your emails. By they, I mean big social media companies. Mm-hmm. Um, because the the, the the goal is to build a very detailed profile about you so that they can push items, activities, and products to you to keep you engaged. That's the that's the end game. It's not to help you write grants faster. It's not to help you make connections with people all over the world, although that's a happy byproduct and something good that can come of it. It's your they want your attention there. They don't they don't want you to go off and do anything else. Um, and I wish I had read this because a lot of the things that he described are things that actually I experienced as the world's oldest person addicted to TikTok, And so this was about a month ago. Uh, I also, I write young adult historical fiction and mysteries and because I'm writing for the young adult market, I was like, you know, I should probably explore TikTok because their, their book talk is a whole thing. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, brave new world. I'm going to get on here and I'm going to find all this out and, Oh my lord. I sure I followed book talkers and writers, but I just could not stop. There was one night um, where I was doing what they call the infinite scroll. You know, there's actual program. Mm-hmm. He interviews in the book, uh, he interviews the guy that invented this who says that it was a mistake because it's just too easy. It's just yeah. too easy. It's also like that Netflix thing where you're watching an episode and they're like, a new one starts in 10 seconds. And you're like, ah, what's another hour? Well, Mm -hmm. meanwhile, me, I go to bed um, usually because I like to sleep. Um, I'm usually, I want to be in bed by 930 and I really want to be asleep by 10 o'clock. It was three in the morning and I was scrolling, watching stupid. Okay, but also funny, but stupid. I mean, it was such a waste of time, but it was almost like I couldn't stop even if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's designed that way. And if someone like me. I, I, again, crusty Gen Xer who is super suspicious and doesn't, you know, like I never even had a Facebook account. I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn. And then I thought and not Instagram either, because the pressure of taking pretty photos was too much for me. So I mean, I am not your hardcore user yet. I was sucked in and I just, I had to delete it from my phone. Um, It's kind of like having potato chips in the house. Can't do it. It's a, ba- a bag, no matter what size that bag of potato chips is, that's a single serving. No matter mm-hmm. how I tried to get on TikTok, it's almost kind of like going to Target where you're like, you're going in for two things and you leave three hours later having spent $200. $200. Oh. <laughs> yep. but this was even more detrimental because seriously, I get up at five every morning. Do you think that me? scrolling mindlessly until three made me productive the next day. Did it make my deadlines go away? No, I was just stumbling through the day and it's embarrassing, but I just wanted to share it because of how easily and completely I was sucked in. I was sitting Amanda. I'm like texting. Oh my God, this was so funny. Look, and they were funny, hilarious. but it wasn't, I was consuming, like I was consuming junk food and not feeding myself things that would make me feel good in the long run. Um, kind of like the industrial food complex of processed food, right? There's a reason where you, why you want to keep eating those potato chips. They're engineered, and people spend a lot of time to make them hit those salt, fat, and sometimes sweet receptors. You know, there's just mm-hmm. it's just engineered that way. Um, so if I can do it and be so ridiculous about TikTok, I can't imagine what someone who is not nearly as wary of that, you know what I mean? So it's not yeah. nearly as oh, I need I need to protect my time. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Um related to that is um another stat that was mentioned in Stolen Focus and in a couple of other articles that um that I was reading in preparation for this episode. I call it another scary but helpful data point. And it's about you know the short attention span theater that is TikTok. And, and Twitter, really, you know, I mean, they mm-hmm. popped it to 280 characters now or whatever it is. Um, it's like you're and you're rewarded, really, for the more messages you read by and you're counting likes and their little hearts and thumbs. And, and oh, how many emails do I get from LinkedIn
0: if I've been especially active on LinkedIn and they're like, you know, to get more followers, the more you put, and it's one of those things that's like, or, hey, this week you did really good. You had this many, this, and you had this many likes and this many new followers, and you need to keep it up. And so they're absolutely encouraging you to do it more. It's their and job, it, like, it's their it job. Yes, like it's their job. Yes, it, it is their job, but it's not my job. Nope. You can be caught up in it, right? I'm like, oh, I had a good LinkedIn week. I need to keep this up because it's going to work for me.
1: But I'm like, also, because it seems easy and you get instant positive reward and gratification yes so just know just know yeah. that it's designed that way it just is like it's, there's a reason why potato chips or so are so easy to eat there's a reason why tiktok and facebook and youtube and all these other platforms are so easy and fun to use because they're specifically designed that way to keep you there um, right. the scary but helpful data point is about focus. So we're t- already talking about, you know, you're focusing on this stuff and it's just gliding by and you're just getting more likes, or you're getting you're getting your little hearts, or you get little comments and you're spying to comments, whatever. But the average teenager can focus on one task for 65 seconds. And I was like, Oh, those poor teenagers, I feel bad, but I'm I'm okay. Then it says the average office worker, and let's just count me in that. The average office worker's focus time is three minutes. So I'm just going to sit here and wait while people think about the last, like, fundraising strategic plan they designed or the last super complicated DOJ grant they completed in three minutes because they were so focused in those three minutes. I'm thinking you need more time. Mm -hmm. I'm also, I've always been suspicious of people who tell me what good multitaskers they are because I just, I really think that's crap. And, and, And this book and Stolen Focus and many others, it's like, it's not that you're multitasking, it's that you're stopping and starting things really fast. So yeah. again, sort of you're atrophying that focus muscle, which directly affects your ability to concentrate and do the really important things. It's true. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I hope nobody's listening and thinking, "Oh, they're just, you know, they're telling me I'm horrible for nope. trying to multitask or getting on social media." Not that at all. We're just trying to point out because it's something we both are trying to be more mindful of because let me tell you, preparing for this episode and reading all of this stuff, it has I have tried I am trying this week to change my relationship with my phone and I'm not saying I don't still grab it as often as I did before, but I'm trying to, when I grab it, go, what do I, I don't need this right now and set it back down. And so trying to reduce not only my screen time, but my just number of interactions with it, obviously, because it's, it is, it's a distraction Mm -hmm. and it's keeping me away from doing the things that I want to do, whether it is work. Or spending time with my family or reading a book, or because I mean, I don't know how many times I'll sit down and think about okay, an hour before bedtime, I'm gonna read for an hour because I love to read, but I'll like, oh, real quick, let me grab on my phone. Kind of like, what are we talking about? And then suddenly an hour's gone by and I'm like, I didn't read at all. That's what I wanted
1: to do. Why the heck did I even look at my phone? So, no, but you saw funny TikToks with people uh, disguised <laughs> as statues. Wasn't that a great use of your time? <laughs>
0: oh, i never seen that. Time yes, good use of my time, though. No. So, so it's just one of those things we're trying to point out. You know, it's we're all juggling a lot. We're trying to address self care. We're trying to thoughtfully mind our screen time and think about all the other choices that we're making that can affect our productivity and our quality of life. And so, just just know that your phone and the stuff on it was not created to be helpful to you. It was created by brilliant people to keep you on your phone. Um, And so whatever you can do to, you know, if you have to set a timer, maybe you want, maybe you enjoy. I have a friend. She's like, I watch Instagram stories. Like it's my job. Oh, she, that is her, that's her, that's her end of the evening kind of thing she likes to do, but you're right. Nobody wants to be doing that till 3am. So maybe it's, (laughs) I enjoy this. But I'm going to limit myself to 20 minutes. So you set a timer. So when it's off, you're done, you're done, right? So, so there are ways you can still, I'm not, we're not saying don't ever go on social media. If you enjoy it, there's nothing wrong with that. But maybe be a little more thoughtful about that. So um, this is kind of funny. Just recently, I went and saw Amy Schumer do some stand-up comedy. Um, she's a trip. It was just, <laughs> it, was, it was an interesting evening for sure. But one of the things she talked about is how she has been having trouble sleeping to the point of she finally went to the doctor for it because you know she's like of course everybody's giving me their advice about will take melatonin try this try this but she's like nothing was working so I go to the doctor and was like look I need my sleep I travel for my job I'm you know I've, I've got to be able to sleep and be healthy and you know restful and all that good stuff and her doctor was like well how important is sleep to you and she's like it really is the most important thing I will do anything and so he was like well what? you know, are you on your phone at night before you go to bed watching videos and do it? She's like, well, yeah. And he's like that, right. That's your problem. An hour before you plan to go to bed, don't get on your phone for an hour. Stay away from it. And I promise you will sleep better. And she's like, of course, (laughs) have I done that? No, No. because I can't put my phone
1: down. Because Um,
0: it's designed to keep you there. It is. So,
1: I mean, this is Amy Schumer's doctor even told her it's bad for right, <laughs> and it's bad in those and and that kind of dose, if you will. It's almost like a powerful drug that you just yeah. if you're going to interact with. You have to really, yeah. you have to really be careful about it. Also, in that same book that I've just been flogging, that is not sponsoring this episode. We're just saying you're, there are so if if you want to take larger action, there are advocacy groups and community groups around look if social media is here, it's basically acting like a public utility at this point. Maybe there are ways that we, there can be some kinds of controls, some kinds of things that, you know, maybe the equivalent of, um, when I was growing up, c- cigarettes were still pretty glamorous and there were. But if you read the history of cigarette smoking and first how it was promoted as glamorous and sexy and healthy even by mm-hmm. doctors and all and or seat belts or any other thing that was this huge public health issue it there was a groundswell of of um public opinion and people got together and they demanded change so i'm saying yes Take the thing, take the measures you need to protect yourself, but know that if this is a passion, becomes a passion for you, there are a lot of other people who feel like this and that this book could offers some of those groups to be members of and to volunteer for if that's your jam. Very good. Thus endeth this episode's sermon about contemplating your time and how you can spend it. Um, again, lest you think we are entirely opposed to all technology, I just want to remind you, uh, this podcast is reported, recorded on a cloud-based platform and distributed through other media, which lives on your phone. So we're clearly we're yeah. aware that what we're saying could, <laughs> could come across as a little hypocritical, but knowing the forces behind what you're using every day could help you at the very least be a more responsible user and perhaps encourage others to do the same. That's kind of where we're we're living with this, and it's not a black and white issue. And there are apps and other platforms and ideas that we have used and continue to use that do help us. And I know Amanda's got an app that she's exploring that she's excited about to help productivity and some other things that she does.
0: Oh yeah, well you know, at the end of the day, when it comes to productivity and keeping up with things, my my favorite thing is still always going to be old school methods. If I I've got a always have a Notebook, You know, I always keep one with a nice hard cover case. So like I can, it travels well with me no matter where I go. Um, And I tend to keep a, I usually do a monthly to do list. You know, it's not going to have, you know, every little minutia of what I have to do, but it keeps all the big things. You know, like if I've got a grant due, there may be eight steps I need to do to get that grant in. I'm not going to list those eight steps, but I just have, Hey, this grant is due. Here's your deadline. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've got it there. And then I also have a giant whiteboard in my office um, that keeps track with all of my major deadlines because I'm just I'm visual and I need it in my face so I don't forget about something I don't overlook something. You know I've got different columns for different. You know I keep up with all my clients. I keep up with the stuff we do for the podcast. There I've got I've got even one for professional activities. Mm-hmm. You know things that I'm you know personally trying to do to you know grow my experience and all that good stuff. So um, those two things are certainly what I would say if I had to choose, keep me the most productive. Um, But, and it works for me. But the downside to that is that works for me. That doesn't help my colleagues or my clients. It's not like they see into my office every day. Um, If they do, that's a problem. Um, (laughs) See my whiteboard and all that good stuff. So um, I'm having to learn to work with different apps and platforms um, so that I can share and keeping up with all of this stuff. Um, now, one of the in- interesting things about being a consultant is all your different clients tend to have their own platforms they're using. Um, and so, which that means I'm having to use a lot of different ones. Um, but one with a new client that, um, just started working with about a month ago, um, they use Asana. Mm-hmm. To track all of their stuff, and I know you use this, Kimberly. With uh, I, I work with a, work a
1: subcontract, and the larger consulting firm uses that, and I, I'm I like it so far. Yeah. I like that.
0: It's again, I'm consider me like a, a baby using it. Cause I just got started, but I like how you've got the bigger topics and then for each you can do mm-hmm. all the subtask, and you can put deadlines with it. You can assign people, you can communicate underneath that task. Like if I had a question, I could put it in there. Uh, I like that. You, you will get email notifications. Um, so, but again, if you want, if you want, because it may end up being one of those things that it, it it can be a distraction too as well, because it's like every day I'm like, great, there's five more emails that I didn't need that I'm not going to take a few seconds to delete or read or do whatever, but it is, you can choose whether or not to do that. So um, when it comes to keeping track of all of your work and trying to stay productive and on deadline and on target, um, Asana is one I'm slowly working with and really liking. So,
1: And again, Asana is not sponsoring this, although, Hey Asana, Tough. but um but, we like no, your but, they're, but but they're not but the things that are attracting me to that and also i um am never an early adopter of any anything <laughs> <laughs> anything so but I've, I've over the past year I've, I've started using slack more related to groups of writers mm-hmm. writing fiction uh where we have met at different workshops and things and have set up specific channels around that. But like Asana, what I like about it is everything is all in one place. Things are easy to upload, but I can see that in a workplace where there are no boundaries in terms of expectations for time, you could have those, you could have notifications going off all the time, all the time, all the time, Yeah. or, and um, it could, I see how it could be very invasive but I also see how you can consolidate things much uh, semi sort of a cousin to Asana. It's not as I'm using the free version, so it's not as uh, robust, but the idea that everything can be there, you can, so instead of um, tracking grants on a spreadsheet and then uploading grants to a um, share drive of some kind, Google drive, um, SharePoint, OneDrive, whatever. And then here's a tracking system for grant management. I mean, it's the idea of, console that really will help me if i can find something that where i can consolidate things yes. all in one and, and and have it work together with with boundaries around it but i have to close it if i'm because people i'm sometimes i'm uh, talking with people on the west coast and they're going to have a you know i'll see the little um, icon light up at the bottom of my screen. And it's like, Oh, Oh, I have a Slack message. It's like, Oh, Oh, you're working right now. You're going to look at that later. So a lot of times I just mm. shut it down and look at it at the end of the day versus keeping it open all day. Yeah. Um, just little things. Cause again, the people who design Slack want me to be on Slack all day. They, yeah. they want me to do that, but I don't want to do that. So it's just being aware that it can be easy, but it's just a use with caution Kind of thing, and I think in the work, I can definitely see in the workplace there would be a need to um, set some boundaries around expected communication response times, particularly oh, if everybody's still all remote. Hmm. Yep. Um, and then another means to be more productive,
0: and this is something anybody can do, no matter what tools you're using, is um, when it comes to grant writing productivity, is start thinking about. And whether you work in an organization and have the one client is your one organization or whether you have multiple clients, but you want to have like a library style file of those most requested attachments, right? And I'm not saying you have to build it from scratch. I'm continually building things when I've got, you know, uh, maybe it's a client I've had for five years and suddenly I've got, I've seen one or two times a funder is asking for some new document. Well, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and throw that in my file that has all of my standard attachments. And so I'm not having to go, okay, I know I've created this before. What grant was it? What file is it in? It's just all the attachments when they're in one place, it just makes it much quicker for you to go to find it. You're being more productive with your time. Right. Um, And not just those attachments, but you may think about, you know, if you've got a really well-written need statement for something, Again, don't have to go wait. I know I wrote something about this before. Where is it? Have a file in that. You know, create a file of you know well-written sections of a grant proposal that you can go to. You know, whether it's your need statement, an agency history, um, goals and objectives. You know, if you've got a client that you've got one massive project that you're trying to piecemeal the funding for fifteen different grants, you're probably gonna have the same goals and objectives every time, right? So just you you can use those over and over again. So that's one way. To help you be more productive by doing less work.
1: right? Or doing a little bit more work on the front end, which is sometimes yes. hard to wrap your head around, particularly sure. if you're working at a grindhouse of an organization that's always do this, do this, do this, do this. Or you have a client where you have a grants calendar out for the rest of the year and um, they emailed you today with 10 new grants that they're not qualified for. Not that I'm bitter. And I'm going to address this. I'm going to address this. But it's also like, hey, good thing we have our case statements and our other things lined up because that will speed the plow when it comes to getting things done. And of course, we're not suggesting that every grant can just simply be a cut and paste and change the name of the funder because we all know better than that. However, you're Your organization's mission is probably not going to change for every grant. If it does, let's rethink that. The organization budget's not going to change. If you have four main programs, let's say, or 10 or two, chances are in one fiscal year, they're not going to completely change. So if you are able to build in, whether you're storing it in Asana or whether it's a G-Drive or whatever it is, wherever it is you're storing it, having that information, I usually like to update mine at the start of each fiscal year. Um, and then obviously there are going to be changes throughout, but having that baseline information in place can also help when you're feeling that competing deadlines and juggling how to get things out the door. If you know that you have baseline information that you can count on, that you can access and, and use, um, it's, it's real peace of mind and it helps for me, it helps me maintain that focus and maintain that consistency so that the same messaging, the same story, that of connection is going out with, with, with grants, even to different funders about slightly different aspects of the same program. Um, so yeah, I sometimes, sometimes being more productive means doing less, like checking your phone less and focusing on it work more to the very, very best of your abilities. And sometimes it's just really taking that step back and looking at things strategically, Mm-hmm. To think, well, if I do, if I make the time, if I provide chocolate or, or beverages to um, the finance team and program staff, and we build this in advance and we take the time to do it now, maybe it's a little slower in the summer, maybe there's time to do that, then we're going to be ahead of um, competing deadlines and all these wonderful flashy toys that are vying for our attention on a daily basis. Yeah. So absolutely. just hoping that some of this will ring true, hoping all of it does, but I'm hoping that some yeah. of it can ring true for you as let's look at things we can do to protect ourselves, but also um, for our kids and for the communities we serve. You know, let's look at how some of these things are actually doing us all a big disservice because of the way that they're designed for now. hmm. Well, and I like that it's, we're looking at
0: productivity here not just as oh, what tools do you use and you know how much do you get done in a day, but it's a, more thoughtful of what are the distractions that you can remove from your workspace so that you can be focused. Because you know what, if I can get that grant written in three hours, I would so much rather get it written in three hours than it take me three days because I'm constantly being bombarded yeah. with email notifications and this and this. I'd rather get it done and then I'm free to go do the next thing right so i i like looking at productivity this way
1: i'm so glad i hope that our listeners do too and just and also all those things that you think that you have to get done maybe you don't have to get them all done but that'll be another episode for For another another day Well, thank you for listening. Your continued support is the reason we are back and and rolling through season five and planning for season six. If you've made it this far and you haven't left us a review, could you just go do that? We'll wait. Okay, I'm waiting a little while. Um, (laughs) But seriously, if you can leave us a review, like a nice, chunky five-star review on Apple Podcasts, it helps other people find us. And helps us connect to them. And it just rubs our community. And um, if you you like us and you want to do that, that would be great. It just helps us find each other. Thank you again to our Season 5 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant
0: Writing Services. We so appreciate their support in making grants less stressful. Visit their website at dhleonardconsulting.com to download their latest free resources today. We're honored you chose to spend time with us today, and we hope you tune in to our next episode. We've got a fantastic interview with basically a fundraising genius. So
1: we'll see you then. Just that. Just that. Bye.